Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday over the next year, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church. Here we are with another episode of our Your Story Matters podcast, and we are with the youngest person to sign up, and um, actually the first person to sign up, and this is Annie Burns. Annie, uh, as soon as we put the opportunity out there to be a part of this podcast, she said, I want to share um, I want to share my story. I want to share what God is doing in my life. Uh, I want to share what this uh, church means to me. And so I'm so thankful for you to be with us. Um, Annie, you are young. Uh, how old are you? I'm 20. 20. Part of the goal of this podcast is that everybody understands they have a story. And it's really easy to think, I'm not old enough. I haven't, you know, lived this whole life, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm really excited for you to share because I, I want our younger adults to understand as well. Like they have a story and they still have a lot of story ahead of them, a lot of life to play out, but that doesn't negate what they've been through already. And so um, you're taking the charge on that and you're kind of breaking that barrier down. And I hope that's an inspiration for uh, our younger adults who hear this um, in the next few weeks and it inspires them to know I've got a story that I need to share as well. And so thank you so much for being a part of this with us. Of course. Um, so we'll start with the same question we start everyone off with, which is not a light question. <laughs> um, but tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was your home life like, family dynamics, kind of all of those things? Um, so I grew up in Ellicott City. So about like 30 minutes from here, Howard County. Grew up in like, I guess you would say like a broken family. Um, mostly it was my mother. She took care of us completely. My parents split when I was about two years old. Wow. My siblings and I have a big gap in between us. My sister and I are eight years apart and my brother and I are 11. So it's a big gap. So it was mostly just me and my mom. And my dad only took custody of us every other weekend because he had to from sure. the courts. He was there physically but emotionally just super absent um he's a drug addict painkillers mostly but he also has severe like adhd mental illness that was just never brought up because wow. he grew up in that generation that mental yep. illness was not a thing yep. um so he was just mostly there because he had to be there um he was like forced to be there yeah. almost so my mom in my early age, I don't really me remember much of it, yeah. but she was in that emotional state where it kind of like consumed her. She didn't really know what to do. She was taking care of three kids and it was basically all under her belt by herself, yeah. um, which she had never experienced that because she came from a family of, she was one of nine wow. and her parents had been together since they were both 20 years old. Wow. And it was like a perfect family basically. So she didn't, I think she saw it as a failure and she didn't sure. know what to do. Yep. Um, 
And then she eventually met uh, my stepfather, which they were never legally married, but he was there since I was about like three years old. So, but later on in life, I realized that he was an alcoholic as well, substance abuse. Um, He was also bipolar. So I grew up, he was mostly the father figure in my life, but he was also someone who portrayed as a bad person in my life just because when he had lows, it was very low and my mom never took us out of that situation because she had nowhere else to go um but i mean it was just mostly me and my mom growing up my siblings didn't agree with her rules so they left when they turned 18 they moved in with my father when i was about 14 my mom decided to go live with my stepfather which was in hagerstown and that was an hour away from my life so i was like I can't really do that, like I don't really want to. So I moved in with my father, who at the time was living with my grandmother. Um, And both of my siblings were there, so it just seemed like the most logical option. Sure. So all throughout high school, I lived with them and up until I was about 18, but high school was very rough living in that house because my grandmother was an alcoholic as well, so she tried to parent me, but she didn't know how to parent me because sure. she wasn't used to me um, much because I wasn't around her as much when I was a kid. But in high school, I had played soccer for two years and I had gotten an injury. Okay. And it was kind of like, hey, just stop playing. Yeah. So that's kind of, I was just starting to spiral at that point. I got into the wrong crowd. Um, there probably wasn't a day in my senior year that I showed up sober to school. Wow. It was either weed or alcohol. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was okay because all of my friends, their parents had owned churches all around Columbia. So I was like, oh, well, you know, they're preacher kids, so I can do it since <laughs> yeah. they're with me. Yeah. Um, but just then I got into a bad habit of using that as my clutch like if I felt bad I would go out to a party or I would go hang out with friends and it was just I was really not like in the right state of mind at that point and then COVID hit and that made it way worse yeah how how old were you when COVID hit I was just graduating high school so I was 18 so it was your last year (laughs) yeah so my last really like three months yeah which couldn't have helped yeah um At that point, I had decided to move out with my sister on our own um, in a little tiny townhome, and it was not the best place, but I mean, it was better than where I was living, so that was just like, I was doing a full-time job. I was going to my community college full-time. I was also a student athlete at my community college, so I was handling all of that during COVID, and then... Uh, about six months into our lease, the guy was like, all right, your lease is up. Do you want to renew it? My sister was like, nope, I'm moving in with my boyfriend and his father. And at that point, I had nowhere to really go. My father was not welcoming me back into his home. My mother at that point couldn't take me in. So I was about, I was planning on living my car um, and just going to hop around from friend's house. I stayed with a friend for about a month. And then I met Pam and Mark, my uncle. They came and they took me into their house, um, which growing up, they were the bad people. My dad made them out to be the people who would never help us out. They were too good for us. Like they never wanted to be there for us. So when they took me in, I was a little hesitant. I was like, well, what's happening kind of thing. But they 
brought me in with like open arms. Wow. And it was just crazy. Like I never imagined to be in a healthy home before because growing up, I never had that. Yeah. So it was just very interesting to be in a healthy dynamic. Yeah. It was yeah. very weird. <laughs> so most of your childhood has been just like up and down, inconsistent parents who struggle with abuse and um, siblings who also aren't around. One of the questions we ask everybody is, okay, so like as you're going through these things, these ups and downs of life, like was faith a part of your life? Uh, did you go to church? You know, was, was God in any part of your childhood as you started to grow up? Once I remembered it, I was probably like eight. I was, it was like my first communion. But ever since then, I had attended Sunday school. My dad basically was like, if you're going to be around me, you have to go to church yeah. in order. It was kind of like a compromise. You can have my love, but you have to go to church sure. kind of thing. And it was a typical Catholic church. Very, you have to do this, this, and this. Yep. You have to do it right. You have to be perfect kind of thing. So up until I was eighth grade, I was in Sunday school every weekend. I got my eighth grade confirmation, and my dad basically was like, all right, you get to choose if you want to be in it. If not, you know, I strongly encourage you, if you want to live with me, you have to go to church with me kind of thing. But they had, both my parents had went to Catholic school all their lives, but my mom felt that pressure when she was growing up, and she didn't want to put it on me. So when I was with her, she was like, you make the decision if we go to church on the weekends or not. But my dad was very stern with yeah. it. And he was like, it's not an option. You have to go, yeah. <laughs> basically. Um, but it was just, it wasn't like, it was very judgmental. And sure. every time I stepped foot in there, it was like, I don't know what to do. Yep. Um, I was never taught how to like read a Bible or like, hey, if you're feeling down, maybe you should pray. Yep. Like I was never taught, you know, I was taught that it was a very strict way of following God sure. and Jesus. Like I was taught that if you do it the wrong way, then it's not the right way. So it's like sure. it's very a lot of pressure in church. Yeah, it wasn't really like a free space. Yeah. Well, and how did that feel with all the home life issues you have going on? Like, how did those two things feel together? You know, where you have your home during the week, where <laughs> there's alcohol abuse where you know there's not really parents who are parenting essentially but then all of a sudden you show up at church on Sunday and they're like hey do all these things like what did that feel like in that tension of why are we doing this what's the point of church what's the benefit of this why isn't this changing how I feel or who I am you know so what was the like the kind of friction with that so for me, I always knew that like someone was there. I always knew someone was like watching over me. Um, but like I never believed in it really. Like I never had thought that this was true. Sure. So it was almost like my dad kind of thought a way around it because he, we would go to church on Saturday and then Sunday school would be Sunday morning. So it was like double church every weekend. <laughs> um, but it was, it was kind of they don't think of you in a, as a person. Like, if you're a kid in the Catholic Church, it's like, you go to Sunday school, that's your church. You get to learn how to actually do church. So it was like, it was a lot of pressure for me because both my siblings had already been through it. But once they were 
out of it. They were out of it. They were never coming back kind of thing. So it was a lot of pressure on me being basically the only child at the time, being forced into this. And it was just, it was almost like feeling lost. Like when you step into that church, it's like you see the same people every weekend, but it doesn't feel like a spot where you're loved and people respect your wishes. Yeah. So as you move and get older, you know, and like you said earlier, you start struggling with showing up at school sober, COVID hits, really you, you essentially experience homelessness. At that point, you had walked away from church altogether. Was there any thought in those seasons of like, okay, God, if you're real, can you help me? Or was it just survival mode at that point? So right at the beginning of COVID, I had reached out to one of my really good friends. I mean, we're still friends to this day. His dad um, was a preacher at a church, and he was in the process of retiring and becoming a life coach. I went over to his house one day. I was like, hey, I need a Bible. I want to start reading. I know someone's out there. I just don't know what it's about kind of thing, which he told me it was like King James the Third Bible. And I was like, I opened it and I had no clue how to read it. <laughs> yeah, those um, are tough ones. But it was, it was, I wanted to start learning. Yeah. But it was the world around me, like, would not allow it. Like, sure. so many things were happening. COVID hit. I was focusing on school, but also working full time. Family issues happened, and it was just, I wanted to be someone who followed Jesus, but it was like everything around me was stopping me. Sure. So I didn't really know how to like pursue, like taking on Jesus, like yeah. him loving me, and like how to learn, basically how to learn about the Bible and yeah. everything else. Yeah. And so eventually that leads you to Mark and Pam's, yeah. um, which isn't just a safe place to sleep <laughs> yeah right? it's also a home where jesus is at the center mm-hmm. and so you move in with them what does that look like what does that begin to feel like you know as you said earlier like no safety and security and, there, and there's you know trepidation you're you know you don't know them mm-hmm. um for those people who don't know mark and pam mark is incredibly outgoing <laughs> yep. um probably two of the most gracious wonderful host people you like a certain type of soda they're buying that certain certain type of soda you want a fluffier pillow they're buying you a fluffier pillow and these are the people that are taking you in so going from what you want you know grew up in which you know as a child who grew up with an alcoholic parent where there's times when you're like i can't tell if this is a good day or a bad day i think if i say this thing it's going to be a worse day like living on those eggshells to moving in with mark and pam what happened after that well, I moved in, and I remember, I think we went to, like went out to dinner. It was like the first weekend I was there, and Mark had opened my door for me, the car door. And I was like, what are you doing? I like thought it was like so abnormally, like it was just like, I didn't understand it. And he was like, has no one ever done this for you? And I'm like, nope. He's like, well, now you need to make sure any guy will do this for you. And it was just like, I learned to be very independent as a, at an early age, financially, physically, everything. So it was very weird for me to step into this household now where they wanna care for me. Like they take me grocery shopping every weekend. Like they make sure they redid a whole brand new bedroom for me, which I had never had anything new like that before. They, I mean, if I need money, they like don't hesitate to give it to me. So it's just, it was very weird stepping into that and like, like originally being so independent. And then now it's, they want to take care of me. They care enough to actually be there for me. So it was 
it was a very big transition for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a lot of trust mm-hmm. to get to that place, yes. you know, because you've had to kind of fight for yourself for a long time. And, you know, it's hard when you have parents who take advantage of you as a child, you know, and that's like one of the, the hard, you know, as we talk about parents and doing it the right way, it's like when those boundaries aren't right. And when we're a kid who's treated like an adult or a kid who's treated like an equal or a kid who's treated, you know, differently than a kid, you kind of build this box around yourself to survive. And all of a sudden they start chipping away at this box. Mm -hmm. And part of the chipping away is that they start bringing you to collective. And so, you know, you first time in a long time doing church, but not just do church, but like something very different. And so what was that like? So I think it was probably... The first month I had been living there, they kept saying, Sunday, church, like, if you want to come, come, no pressure. And then I think probably like a month after being there, I was like, all right, I'll go see what it's about. Because I had been wrestling about it. I was like, I, like, church was never a good space for me growing up. It was never something I wanted to do. So I was like, they like it. Let me go see. They called it like the rock and roll church. That's and I'm right. like, all right, okay. It's I guess Mark's I, a drummer. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yep. So I, I went and checked it out, and the first song, I think it was the first time you guys had ever played it, was Another in the Fire. Oh, yeah. And you kind of, like, broke it down a little bit to, like, explain it about, like, what the song was about, how, like, there is always someone who's going to help you through the tough times. And I don't think I had cried, but I think I was on the verge of tears about mm-hmm. the whole time. I don't even remember what you taught about. Yep. It was just, like, I was just in shock about how this place can be so welcoming. I think I probably got like 15 hugs. Like there wasn't. Because <laughs> everybody was, loves Mark and Bam. Yep. And they yeah. were like, oh my gosh, you're you're their niece. And yeah. it's just like, I had never walked into a spot that was so welcoming, but also they wanted me to become better and be closer to Jesus at the same time. Yeah. So it was a, it was a big change, but it was like, all right, this is like kind of nice. Like people who are in church were actually good people, nice people, like, who want me to be here. So it was it was terrifying, but yeah. it was, like, very exciting all at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's totally different than what you experienced growing up. And I remember preaching that sermon. It's, you know, talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow down to a false god. Mm-hmm. And they throw him into the furnace, expecting him to be killed, obviously. And then they see you know, what they believe, you know, looking at the Old Testament, it's like, it's Jesus who's with them. They come out unharmed and everyone's like, hold on one second. Mm -hmm. Like if your God got you through that, I want to follow your God. And what's interesting is that's your first Sunday at Collective, but like, I think that's what your life looks like, Mm -hmm. right? As someone who's been through the fire for a long time. And now here you are sharing your story with the hope that people look at your story and go, okay, if God can get her through that, like I want that God. So I don't think that's a coincidence that that's your first Sunday. And, and that leads to, um, you and eventually you join the team, you start serving with kids. Yeah. I think it was, I started coming in like early summer and then it was that fall that I think it was like Nicole at the collective table. And I was like, I think I want to be on the nursery team. Yeah. <laughs> like I heard I can like be around babies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then it was like that Monday Bethany called me and was like, hey, so we're going to start, you know, looking into some things. Like, can you come train with us yeah. one weekend? And I don't even remember what babies were here this like that morning, but every single parent opened that door and was like, hi, are you new here? And I'm like, 
I am. (laughs) So, and like, they just handed me their baby. Like, they trusted me so much to like care for their child for a whole hour. I was just like, this is amazing. Like, okay. So it was, it happened very fast. I feel like my first few months, like coming to Collective and like learning about Collective, but I don't think I would have wanted it any other way. Because everyone just was like, you have to you have to take it all in all yeah. at once. So like Disney World. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I would like to spend months here. And we're like, no. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And it, uh, eventually, so you start serving in kids, which obviously, um, you know, you've been a part of a really cool season of collective kids going from the old space to the new space mm-hmm. and the grind of that. Um, but I think one of the coolest parts of your story, at least that we get to, to be a part of, was your baptism. And so um, earlier this year, you, you got baptized, and I don't know if there was a dry eye in the house. <laughs> you know, what led you to that point? Especially because oftentimes we go through these terrible things, especially when it comes um, from our parents, right? Because we're not in control, mm-hmm. and we didn't ask for this. And it's one of those, like, hard things about life where you look back and you go, man, I didn't deserve this, right? I'm just a kid. I didn't ask for these parents. I didn't ask for this life. I didn't ask for this situation, but it still happened. You know, life still happened. And a lot of times people get stuck there when it comes to God. And they really have a hard time seeing God as a good God because they've been through bad circumstances. And I feel like you of all people could have absolutely done that, right? Because you're still, you know, 20. Mm -hmm. You know, I still got this whole life to live. The first 20 has been tough. How do I know the next 20 is going to be even better? So why didn't that stop you from putting your faith fully in Jesus? How did that help you make that decision to just go all the way in when it comes to faith and community here at Collective and, and all that? When most people probably would have stopped and said, no, 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 I can't, justif- I can't rectify these bad things with, with this God stuff that I'm dealing with right now. I remember it was Christmas Eve service, and I was in the kids, like, serving. I was all over the place. It was crazy. We, I think, I don't oh, remember yeah. how many kids we had, but it was so many yeah, kids. Yeah, like, everybody got COVID. So, yes, yeah. and it was That was just, a tough one. It yeah. was so crazy. Yeah, it and was tough. I heard there, someone was being baptized. I think it was the second service. I peeked my head out. I was like, Bethany, can I just go watch the baptism? Like, I think it was someone from the mission group, too, okay. and I... I had been like hearing about like a mission group baptism for like the whole time I had been at Collective. And I walked in there and it was like right before he was about to be dunked. Yeah. And all the guys like stood around the baptism tub and everyone's just like crying. And then after he leaves the stage and I just see like, it was probably 20 team members like out in the hall just cheering him on as he's walking back. And I like, at that moment I knew I was just like, this is the church where I need to be. Like, these are the people who I want to be around. Yeah. And so I, like, I came back to the kids, and I was, like, talking to everyone. And they were like, well, you know, like, there's no age limit to being baptized. And, like, Bethany was like, well, how'd you like it? Like, you've never seen a mission group, like, guy be baptized. And I was like, he was, like, insane. Yeah. And I'm like, someone like that yep. who, I don't, I don't remember who it was, but he, he had been through so much. Yeah. And it was just, like... Now he's he decided to put his full trust in God, yeah. and it's just like if he can do it, like why can't I do it? Kind yeah. of thing. And for people listening, one of the organizations that we partner with is the Frederick Rescue Mission, and specifically their Change Life Recovery Program. 
we're lucky enough to where we get to celebrate probably five or six baptisms a year of guys who are in recovery. Some young, some old, you know, some of my favorite stories from Collective who hopefully will be on this podcast are guys who will say, I struggled with addiction for 20 years. I tried everything. And then Jesus came. And my guess is it was one of those guys Mm -hmm. where they knew their life had been a grind. And so, you know, as you talk about like watching this celebration, what we're celebrating is somebody who's been an addict his whole entire life Mm -hmm. saying, hey, I want to be sober. And, and that's the end goal is like, I want to get clean. I want to do right by my family, friends, whatever it may be. But also I can't do this without Jesus. Right. And so it makes sense that it kind of hit you in a special way because of how you grew up, you know, because ultimately isn't that what we want for the people in our life who struggle with the same thing. And so you kind of got to see this other side of it, uh, which is understandable why it would hit you that way. You know, it's, I, I feel the same way when I watch these men do this. Cause it's like, man, like just so proud mm-hmm. of them for saying, Hey, my addiction isn't my life anymore Um, because a lot of us have experiences where the addiction is that person's life and they never break out of it and so you watch that you go back and you're like all right let's do this yeah I think I actually went home that night I walk up to Pam and Mark and I'm like will you guys baptize me and of course Mark knowing him he just starts crying and I don't even remember what their responses were but they just both hugged me and the next Monday I had called Danielle. I was like, I know it's probably going to take a while. Like everyone once he gets baptized, like it's the holiday season. Like I know it's crazy, but I want to start the conversation. And I think she could have like jumped through the phone. Like she was so yeah, excited. Um, yeah. I had actually been talking to my mom about it for a while. Yeah. And, you know, I had been the first one in my family to show how much like church has changed me. Yeah and how finding the right people who would push me along the journey really changed. Like, I did a whole 360, and, you know, some of my family, they don't understand it, but I was like, if they see me do something like this, and they see this, not new person, but changed person come out of it, then it's maybe it's something they would do too, or at least want to experience to start their journey as well. And... Of course, she cried because she was like, I'm so proud of you for making this, like, decision on your own. Um, And then, like, the first of the year came around. I was actually going out of the state for two weeks with my sister, her boyfriend, and his family. Big snowboarding trip. And I was stuck there for two weeks. And I I thought it was going to be the best time of my life. And I had about the worst anxiety attack of my entire life. I was stuck in a spot where... I was pressured to do drugs, and at that point I had been, I would not touch a sip of alcohol or drug. I hadn't in about six months, and the whole time it was just, I was a ball of anxiety, basically, and I couldn't find a flight out because it snows all the time in Colorado, so I was stuck there, and it was about like two, three days before I was about to leave, Danielle calls me, and she's like, let's talk about this, like, let's talk about you getting baptized. I came home. We planned it for like a week after that, and Pam and Mark baptized me. Yeah. Danielle was right there, and I don't even like remember all of it because I was just like I was so nervous the whole time. Yeah. But it was just I remember like sitting there. I think it was Robin. We she was like going through all the steps. She was like, "It's nothing to be scared about. Like I'm yeah. gonna tell you everything. I'll yeah. be there every step of the way." And I get off the stage, and I'm like sopping wet and it's like january so it's like freezing cold and she's there to like 
she has a town she just gives me the biggest hug yeah and then I walk out and everyone's just like cheering me on and of course I get into the bathroom and I just start bawling I'm like this is like I knew at that moment like this is where I was supposed to be everything that I had been through this was why I was here at that moment and now it's not that I'm automatically changed that's not what happens but it's like it gives you the extra push now to really start your journey and start where you're here but you know six months maybe you're going to be where you never thought you were going to be so it was just amazing yeah I remember Mark and Pam show up at Collective four plus years ago and one of the reasons why they they started to get involved and fall in love with this church was because their dream was that young adults love Jesus. And they've done everything they can to create space for that to happen. They sacrificed so much to do that for us. Uh, but this was different. And we all knew it. So, like, especially the band, like the band, <laughs> you know, loving them uh, and knowing just how desperately they want young men and women to love Jesus and to understand um, how good grace is because, like, we're going to screw up. You know, we're going to screw up again, we're going to screw up again. But, like, instead of starting all the way back at the beginning or feeling like we get to pick up where we are and keep going. And I don't think there was a dry eye in the house because I don't think when Mark and Pam told us, like, we're coming to collective because we would love to be a part of a church where young people love Jesus. None of us ever dreamt that they would be the ones baptizing one of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, I remember I'm crying. Maggie, who sings, <laughs> is crying. Um, my wife Ray in the back is crying because it's like there's things that that only Jesus can do. Like only Jesus can do that. There's there's nothing in the world that can bring people to this place of redemption and restoration at the hands of somebody that you were told don't spend time with them. They're not the right people. Mm-hmm. And it's like no, they're the, exactly the right people. But even that, it's still better than what we would have prayed for and even dreamt of. And it was it was beautiful and wonderful. Um, you know, as you mentioned, like even leading up to the moment, like there's still times when you're like messing things up. And there's still times when you're falling short or struggling. You know, you can't, baptism doesn't change your family. Um, it doesn't remove your family. We talked about this on Sunday. It gives you a new family, right? That family's just as jacked up, you know? <laughs> they just have Jesus as like the center of it. And so, you know, it'd be really easy at this point of the story for you to say, hey, and and then I got baptized and it's been perfect. Mm -hmm. And this year has been the best year of my life. And the thing is, uh, it hasn't been perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, I know this year has also been hard. And so go ahead and talk us through, you know, you get baptized at the beginning, but what has the rest of this year been like? Basically when everything was reopening from COVID. So about 2020, October-ish time. My mom was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, and that's basically a death sentence. Like, most people don't live a couple months after they're diagnosed. I mean, some people, some doctors don't even start treatment for that. Um, She started treatment, and she was, like, fully independent for, I mean, up until, like, she was going to come to my baptism. I mean, Danielle was going to make arrangements and everything, but um, just with COVID and everything, it was just hard at that time to really go anywhere for her. Yeah. A couple months go by, we're like mid-2021, um, and all the doctors are like, hey, nothing's really working. Yeah. So she stopped treatment for a couple months just to see what would happen, like maybe a miracle would happen. Yeah. Um, beginning of 2022, they found tumors throughout her entire brain. They did surgery, they did radiation. A couple months down the road, like nothing's working. 
And actually, it was it was very weird because my grandmother had passed away that May. She was 91. Wow. And none of us got really a chance to say goodbye because she lived in a nursing home. So it was COVID everywhere. You can't, you can't go anywhere at that point. Um, so it was very... It wasn't unexpected, but it was very rough to yeah. go through that because no one could see her to say yeah, goodbye. No closure, no, yeah. no peace. So we went we all went through that. We were all in town for that. Um, and then my mom decided to start hospice. And at that point, she had no contact with her boyfriend at the time. Um, we had a falling out. He actually had physically hurt her. So we were like, we're done. We're yeah. not talking to him. And that was very hard for her. It like mentally drained her. Sure. So she had lived with one of her siblings. And then June hits, she starts hospice. And they're like, oh yeah, six months. Like, I think you'll make it that long. And at the time, I didn't know she said this, but she had told her closest sister, she was like, no, I just, I just want a month, one more month of like pain-free. And at that point, she had been on any kind of medication they could give her. She had been diagnosed with diabetes. Wow. Um, so basically, they, she was on medication to keep her comfortable at yeah. that point. Um, and then July hits, and it had worsened. Um, she got COVID, and that was kind of like her downward spiral. About like a week after she got COVID, she woke up one morning like she was not responding at all. Wow. And the night before, she had been up and eating. So it was like very strange because she was doing pretty well. Like she was still functioning. Yeah. Um, I got a call that morning and was just like, you need to come over. She was completely swollen. Her hands and her feet were turning purple, eyes completely shut. The nurse said, you know, she could probably hear you, but she's not going to say anything back to you. And then that night she had passed. The next morning I come home, and the first thing I see on my front step is flowers from Bethany. And I was like, that is just crazy and then the next one was Luana in Scotch French yeah. they sent me a card and then Erica Lyons she sent me a card I think I got probably like 30 texts from everyone yeah. at church and I'm like yeah. you know I don't think I would have made it through that time without everyone because even though no one met my mother yeah. they all knew about her they yeah. knew she was struggling they knew that I was struggling from this and it was actually your mom who came up to me on Sunday and like gave me the biggest hug and she's like, you know, you probably shouldn't have showed up to church today because all you're going to do is get hugs. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, well, this is where I need to be. Like, she had passed away Thursday evening, and I was like, I just have to be at church on I Sunday. Yeah. Like, I don't know where else to be. Um, and your mom actually sat me down, and she just, like, she just let me, like, cry in her arms. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, this is where this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And it was just, I don't remember what you talked about that day. I don't even remember, like, who hugs me, but it was yeah. just like, my emotions, my mind, everything was just at peace for like an hour and a half. Yeah. And it was just nice to like come into a spot where I can be so comforted and loved that I can kind of like let go of all the outside issues and yeah. just yep. be here. And it was a very rough time, but I honestly, like I don't think I could have made it through without everyone here. Wow. And if there, oh my gosh, all the text messages, I don't think that whole week after I probably... I had to silence my phone at one yeah. point because I was getting calls left to right, and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, I can't talk about it anymore. Yeah. But it was just, it was it was not a shock because we all knew it was going to come. I mean, she had been battling for almost two years. Yeah. But it was just like we never thought it was going to come. Yeah. 
And actually, just a few weeks ago, we were like going through all her phone and everything. And so she wasn't able to be at my baptism, but I was like, hey, here's a link just in case if you feel well enough to watch it. And there was a whole album of screenshots oh, of my wonderful. baptism. And I'm just like, I know she couldn't be there, but it's like, now I know that she's there with me. Yeah. And it's, it's comforting to know that she's at peace. Yeah. And it's like, she knew, actually she watched Collective after I got baptized every single Sunday. She watched it online. And she, she had told me that like, it was because of Collective for her that she knew that she could go on and be at peace. Like she wouldn't be in pain anymore. Wow. And she was like, you know, one day I, I will see you again. Like she started to believe in it. And it was just like, she made me believe in it. So it yeah. was, it was a rough time, but it was like, we're all okay. Yeah. Like we know we're gonna be okay. We know one day it's gonna, we'll see you again kind of thing. So, you know, like, and people got to hear a little bit of your childhood. You didn't have an easy childhood, right? You didn't have an easy teenage years, but here you are at this point of your story, at this point of your life sharing about how it's your faith in Jesus that gives you peace in your relationship and your in the passing of your mom, right? Because it'd been really easy if if Jesus is not a part of your life, it, it would have been really easy to to see her passing as this is part of life, and to hold on to like that bitterness or that frustration, to decide that this is what you deserve for for being a mom who was addicted or being a mom who wasn't always there for me when I needed them to be, but you have this peace and you have this comfort. Um, talk to me about that because I, I need people to hear why you have that because because so many of us like we have these tensions with people in our life and typically it's family where there's that weird like I love them but I hate them you know they did this to me but they're my family and one of the things I try to do constantly is get people to a point where they can just have peace with their family and you're 20 years old and you have it so if you can you know, tell us, okay, what part of your faith gets you to that point? Because that's a part of faith that I think people need to hear more about is, you know, the ending of your mom's life, the start of your new life, really, and the ending of your mom's kind of go hand in hand. And it doesn't like set you back. It doesn't push your faith in another direction. It's just like part of this growth that you've done. Um, so how, how did you do that? What was the, you know, you talked a little bit about community and the people around you, but was there anything else that helped you have that peace toward the end of your mom's life ended well with you and like still right now, like seeing it, you know, and hearing it in your heart, like it's a good, healthy thing. Most of my family, I don't really get along with. I rarely speak to my father. My siblings and I are at a very different stage yep. in our lives. So when my mom was kind of passing, it was like kind of like the last person of my immediate family. Like I had, when she told me she was diagnosed, I was like, well, once you die, I'm dying too. Like, it's just, it's kind of like, I can't be alive without you kind of thing. Like there wasn't a day where I wouldn't pick up the phone and call her. So it was very weird to like start a new life without her kind of, cause it was like restarting almost. And I mean, it's kind of like the sermon you talked about this past weekend where it's like, you get to choose your family. Pam and Mark were the first steps of that where they had welcomed me in and they, hey, like, you're not responsible for all the crap your parents put you through yeah. or all the crap your family put you through. It's okay to make boundaries and, yep. like, make limitations with your family if they are really making you feel this bad about yourself. 
So for me, it was kind of like, well, I need to put my faith into someone. Like, I need to talk to someone. I need to, you know, look to someone, basically. And so Pam and Mark had bought me, like, my first Bible after I started coming to Collective. And it's amazing. I mean, like, it tells you what Jesus said, and it's like, breaks it down for you. Because, like, I had never really understood how to read a Bible before. And so... Whenever I feel like I'm down, like I can't, I can't even get past the night kind of thing. It's like I need to open my Bible. I need to. I don't even care where I'm reading. I just need to read. Wow. So it was kind of more of like I needed someone, and I knew that Jesus would always be there. Yeah. I wasn't always at that point when I. I was very skeptical of collective at first, yeah. where it's like most people are. How are all these people so like put together and happy? But then it's like you start listening to other people's stories, and it's you start to learn what collective really is and everyone else is just like you. Yeah. And it, I think it also made it a lot easier for me because your mom was a main part, Jake's mom was a main part, yeah. like where they'd be like, you know, we're going through a similar thing and it's like, you're gonna get through it. It's easier to hear those words from people and truly believe it when you have Jesus to back you up as well. Yeah. Like his exact words are like, you can read them in front of you, and it's like, you know it's real. Yeah. And you can be skeptical, but it's like, you got to believe in something. Yeah. So I just kind of, I have to put my faith into someone. I have to be 100% all in with someone. And I'm like, why not make it Jesus and hopefully grow and learn along the way? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think um, you, know, you mentioned my mom, Dimity, and you mentioned Terry Sexton. Uh, both women who are eerily similar. Sometimes I'm like, I think I have two moms now, <laughs> but who were married to alcoholics and like abusive, you know, and, and they know there's probably why they have so much empathy with you and your mom is like, they know what it's like to be a, essentially a single mom, you know, whether the husband's there or not, but essentially trying to raise kids in, in that environment. But I do want to encourage you, and I do want to commend you because it's wonderful that other people stepped into those places and shared those things, but but you've also been vulnerable with them. Um, I think the care would always exist, you know, like there's all these like motherly, grandmotherly people at Clayton <laughs> yeah. who, who will love you that way. And mm-hmm. But part of it too, and I just want to encourage you, is for a 20-year-old to be as open and honest and vulnerable about what she's been through. And you don't hide it. Um, and it's not like you sit back and go, oh, I'm, I'm proud of what I've been through. But you're mm-hmm. saying, this is what I've been through. This is what I was struggling with. This is the reality of my life. You've also created these avenues and these opportunities for people to hear your story, you know, to care for you and vice versa and to care for them. Um, I think it's wonderful that you serve in kids because, you know, what you're doing for them is you're creating an environment that is so different than the one you grew up in. And so you're not just saying, I don't want this environment. You're saying, I'm now going to help create a better one for kids for someone who's 20 years old you're pretty remarkable it's uh i'm not trying to dog on gen z um but when i think about like our youngest group of people at collective and the people who really will change the world it's people like you it's because of what you've been through and how you've responded to it and and even how you said earlier like how in going through what you went through you realize i gotta put my faith in something and so let's try jesus and it's been taken off since then um all right so you know in spite of everything you've been through uh one of the questions we ask everybody is hey what advice would you give and so 
for people who are going through a hard time, um, for people who are searching for something, for people who really are longing for family, community, that care, what advice would you give them when it comes to their faith and their life? Ultimately, I think people have to willingly be vulnerable with people. Like You have to be open to putting it 100% into something. And it was not easy because you don't know what you're stepping into. And it's like, well, who's going to be there to pick up the pieces when you're finished? But that's what Jesus is for. Like someone is always in your corner once you start trusting in him. Someone's always going to be there like with an open ear. Like even though you can't hear his advice or hear him talk back, it's like you know that he's there and you know that it's someone to lean on that when you're down, when you're angry, when you're struggling with addiction, anything like that that it's someone's always going to be there to pick up the pieces once you finish and they're not going to turn your back. Like they'll always be there. You can mess up a hundred times or once and it's like no matter the mistake he's always going to be there for you yeah so you just have to trust him yeah that's good (laughs) wise beyond your years clearly all right so last question um probably my favorite one that we've been asking people in this series hey if there's one bible verse you know it's it's this is the verse that those hard days you look at this is the bible verse that you know when you get out of the water for the first time you're like this is what life is like what is the one thing the one bible verse that is your absolute favorite um and right now right people (laughs) a few people shared well 10 years ago is this and it's like that's great but right now what is your favorite bible verse um go ahead and share that for for us on the podcast it's very weird because i've learned about this verse just because of all the funerals i've been to in the past year but it's just like when you hear it and you understand it it's it's amazing. So it's John 14, 1 through 6. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'd go to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you myself, so that where I am, there you may also. I know it's kind of more directed towards like someone who might be you know getting towards the end of their life and like they don't know what's next but it's also for people who are struggling to know that there is always a place for you no matter what like there's always going to be someone there for you no matter what who wants to be there yeah yeah so good i'm so freaking proud of you (laughs) i just i'm I'm amazed man I, i wish at 20 i had understood what you understand um, I certainly hope that people listening to this this episode, uh, specifically our, our like high school, late high school, college, young college age people understand, um, because that part of your life is so hard. It's so hard. But one of the things that gets you through it, even if even if everything else is easy, just being that age is hard, mm-hmm. especially in this world right now. Yes. I hope I hope everybody who hears this listens to the fact that the thing that's gotten you through this is that community and those people and the understanding that you don't have to do this alone because there's a lot of people who get to their 30s, 40s, and 50s that that don't ever acknowledge that. But the earlier you acknowledge that in your life, the easier life is. does not mean the hard things go away, right? You've Mm -hmm. already been through them this year. It just means the hard things aren't as devastating. 
because you get to mourn and grieve and love your mother while other people get to hold you up and care for you and create space for you. And um, it's just incredible. So Annie, thank you so much for sharing your story, for giving your time, um, for going first and being (laughs) bold, you know, and um, just being so willing to, to share, but also to see what God can do with you. You know, this podcast will go for about a year, and I'm really excited to see uh, next year when this whole thing concludes, what the next part of your story looks like. Um, You and I have talked about it a little bit, (laughs) and I know ministry is something on your heart, and that will be incredible. You're awesome. Thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.